The very essence of all cancers is a change in the way that cells divide. I remember sitting in there thinking, you know, it's not happening, it's not real, it can't be real. It's something that we don't talk about. This feeling of being overwhelmed, it will get better once you have a plan and you know what to expect and what's going to happen. It's not going to be like this all the time. The Thing About Cancer. A podcast from Cancer Council New South Wales. Information and insights. For people affected by cancer. Hello, I'm Julie McCrossan. And today, the thing about cancer is that it can make you fatigued, just so tired. But what can you do about it? I think the key thing really is um, to learn about pacing. And pacing is one of those strategies that people can put in place when they are feeling fatigued, which helps them to work out essentially how much energy they've got in their energy basket and where they'd like to share that around. That's Dr Harriana Dillon, who co-leads a cancer survivorship research group based at the University of Sydney. Harriana's research has involved lots of people who've had treatment for cancer. Later in the episode, she's going to explain the causes of cancer fatigue and offer some more practical strategies. Just to be clear, this podcast contains general information only, so we recommend that you talk to appropriate professionals about your individual situation. You can also call Cancer Council 13 11 20 if you've got any questions. Before we get back to Haryana, here's Len describing the fatigue that he felt during cancer treatment. Yeah, well, I don't get fatigue. I mean, I'm, I've always been healthy, hardly ever sick at all. So this was really new to me. And fatigue's fatigue. You just, you just get tired. You just can't do what you normally do. As you heard at the start, Harriana Dillon from the University of Sydney says that pacing is a key strategy for managing fatigue. Harriana, how is the normal tiredness we feel different from the fatigue that people with cancer talk about? So the normal kind of tiredness that people describe are the sorts of things when you've been out in the garden all day or you've been walking around and you just feel really physically tired Um, but usually a good night's sleep is enough to help you recover so you might have a hot shower or hot bath and go to sleep and the next morning you wake up and you're mostly feeling back to normal the kind of fatigue that people describe when they've had um, cancer and, and cancer treatments is really that kind of in your bones tiredness that just never goes away and there's doesn't seem to be any pattern to it or anything that you can necessarily do to uh, to help ameliorate it or get rid of it. And presumably the degree of this fatigue fluctuates with the individual but that lots of people say it's something unusual. Yeah, it can definitely fluctuate uh, between people. So people have different levels of tiredness or different levels of fatigue when they're after their cancer treatment and cancer diagnosis. What you might find as well is that even for a, an individual, it will vary from day to day. So people will have a really good day and they'll feel like they're back to normal and they might try and do lots of things that they hadn't been doing. And a couple of days later, the fatigue will be back, um, either as bad as it was or sometimes even worse. Why do people get fatigued when they've got cancer? Well, Julie, I guess there's lots of reasons that people get fatigued. So there are many things that impact on on that um, that kind of, uh, you know, in-ground 
bone weary tiredness that people can can experience that is fatigue and I think it can start sometimes right at the beginning of of the diagnosis where people are feeling overwhelmed and um, they just feel like they're not coping and that can sort of change what they're doing so they start to reduce their physical activity they expect to not feel very well a lot of the time as well Um, and there's that internal battle that people have about their bodies letting them down after a diagnosis of cancer so there's a whole lot of emotional things that are going on between almost like a battle between your mind and your your body Um, and then there are uh, you know all of the other things that happen around that time and that you you've thrown out of your routine most people will at least have a break from work if they're working or um you know certainly a break from their usual activities they may have surgery um which will impact on tiredness because of being in hospital and the anesthetics that they're they're taking or that they're given um the pain related um aspects of, of a cancer diagnosis and treatment can be quite impactful as well uh and then moving on to sort of through the rest of treatments that people have so chemotherapy and radiation therapy and all of those immune therapies that people talk about now that have you know like Catruder and things like that that have a lot of media around them they're all things that will impact on um, the immune system and how people have uh, you know their energy levels so they're very very much associated with fatigue because there is this um association with the body's inflammatory response so like when you've got the flu you can have that um you know that you feel a bit sick and you feel fatigued and you just want to lie down and sleep and when you you are sick that helps you to recover whereas in this situation you have this inflammatory response which is really making you behave in a way where you're you're feeling like you you should be physically sick but there's no explanation for it and so that can be very confusing for people as well and that there's no obvious reason why they should not be feeling better. Um, and it just kind of sets up that, that pattern. It's a, it must be so hard to discern causality or what's causing the fatigue because, I mean, you're on medications for pain relief. You're, you may be having radiation and chemo or recovering from surgery. You've got the emotional aspect of it, which anxiety and depression can make you feel tired. There's so many possible causes. You're absolutely right. There are many, many potential causes. And um, I guess what we kind of try and think about it, uh, when all of those things are at an end, so you've completed your treatment and you're a few months down the track and you would expect people to start getting back to their usual level of activity and feeling better. So giving time for their bodies to recover from some of those things. There are a group of people who continue to experience that Um, ongoing fatigue and I think what we're starting to understand is just like the levels of fatigue are very different for people there the time it takes for people to recover can vary quite a lot so some people it might only take a few months and other people it might take many years Um, and sleep disruption can be part of cancer treatment and recovery could you talk a little bit about that sure well sleep I think is one of those problems that people tend not to talk about um, so when they many people will describe having their first sort of serious sleep disruption around about the time that they're diagnosed which is completely understandable given the stress that everybody is under when they're going through that initial diagnosis and treatment planning period um, but what happens often afterwards is that people are then particularly during chemotherapy, are on lots of other drugs that will disrupt their sleep patterns. So sometimes you might be getting steroids to help manage the side effects of the chemotherapy in terms of the nausea and vomiting. Those sorts of drugs can actually make you sleep less. 
And what we think happens is that people get into difficult sleep patterns or what we might call poor sleep hygiene so that they're actually not um, doing all of the usual things that they would in managing their sleep. They get into these habits and they're really hard to break once um, people finish their treatment and sort of, again, come off all of those drugs to support them through their, their chemotherapy. What a lot of people will say is really helpful is um, to possibly just get some advice from either a counsellor, a nurse or a clinical psychologist who can give you some guidance on sleep hygiene and oftentimes it only takes one or two sessions um, for people's sleep to recover. But lots of people live with this on an ongoing basis thinking that it's there's nothing that they can do about it. Um, and there certainly are other treatments like cognitive behaviour therapy that really are very good at helping people reframe their expectations around their sleep patterns and what to expect and manage that more effectively as well. That can be really helpful and don't take terribly long to work. I think it's part of a theme of this series of podcasts that don't assume anything is normal. Speak up, ask for help and see if you can be assisted. I guess the one thing we haven't mentioned that can be both fatiguing and also disruptive of sleep is pain. So talk a little bit about pain and the medications that are used and its impact on fatigue. Mm -hmm. So I think um, you're absolutely right that, that pain is one of those things that can disrupt lots of other things. So if you're in pain, it may disrupt your sleep patterns it may also disrupt your cognition and all of those things feed into um into how fatigued you feel as well so it's this constellation of symptoms or a symptom cluster that seem to be interrelated so i guess that the key thing is that um what we would suggest is that there's a hierarchy of things that you could do. So in that situation, I'd say the first thing that needs to happen is you need to sort out the pain and get that under control because if you're in pain and you're, that's going to impact on your ability to sleep. So let's get that on, on a stable footing and then perhaps we can start to look at the, the sleep, which then might also impact on your fatigue level and start to resolve some of those other things. You mentioned the impact of pain and how it can contribute to fatigue. Generally, pain can be well managed with medications, but the pain medications themselves can make you tired. Yeah, that's exactly right. I think there, the there certainly is, um, you know, the kinds of medication that people are on for that for pain relief are often um, opiate based, and so um, things like endone or th- those kinds of treatments, they certainly can make you fatigued, and they can make you. Um, very sleepy as well so even if it's not um if it's not a fatigue response it just makes you want to go to sleep because that's that's the way it makes your body respond um but i I think that the key thing is that really are talking to people about what you need and and what you're experiencing so that you're not suffering as you say without support and I think we tend to undervalue how important it is just to have someone to say this, what you're experiencing is completely normal. Lots of other people talk about it. And even if there's nothing you can do immediately, that we know that most for most people it will go away. And that's incredibly empowering for patients. You know, many people, when they're getting their uh, treatment for cancer, can have their uh, appetite affected. It can decrease your desire to eat enough food and so on. Could that be linked to some of the fatigue? Uh, It doesn't necessarily cause the fatigue, but certainly if you're not eating well, then your energy levels are likely to drop. And so maybe it is one of those kind of contributing factors. So I think, you know, trying to maintain some... um, healthy you know a nourishing diet would be really helpful um, in whatever form that is but we know that's often really challenging um, 
during treatment, particularly when people are having chemotherapy and radiation therapy, which changes their taste and, and all of those sorts of things. So they often don't feel like eating or definitely don't feel like eating the kinds of foods that they, they did before. We're actually recording another podcast all about how to cope with loss of appetite and stay well nourished during cancer treatment. And you'll be able to find that on our podcast page at cancercouncil.com.au forward slash podcasts. People do talk about their capacity to think clearly and to remember things being affected by cancer treatment. Is that linked to the fatigue? Um, They're definitely associated and it's a little bit difficult to tell which one came first. So if you are tired or fatigued and or or you're not sleeping very well or you're feeling a little bit depressed, that's going to impact on your ability to think and remember. Um, And what we call the thinking and remembering is really cancer-induced cognitive impairment. And that there does seem to be some people who have uh, some level of cognitive impairment that may not be related to um, the fatigue. We certainly don't understand what the mechanisms are, so what causes that change in inability to think and remember. Um, but what we do know is um, that certainly people who are fatigued will also describe that fogginess in their mind. We've spent quite a, a long time on the problem, but I, I think that's good in a sense because it, it affirms those who are experiencing fatigue and it also helps family members and friends to understand that this is a major issue that can take a while to resolve. But let, let's turn now to the person who is dealing with treatment or recovery from treatment, but they still have normal life demands that they need to continue, whether it's their own children or needing to work for financial reasons or having elderly parents uh, or perhaps even other caring duties. Any thoughts on how you can manage feeling exhausted and and get on with the jobs that you still need to do? So I think the key thing really is um, to learn about pacing. And pacing is one of those strategies that people can put in place when they are feeling fatigued, which helps them to work out essentially how much energy they've got in their energy basket and where they'd like to share that around um, and It helps you then to prioritise what needs to happen um, and allocate the time and the energy that you have available. Um, I think the other thing that's really critically important is being able to talk to people about how you're feeling and try and find what and use whatever supports available to you. Um, So there may be other people in your, your circle of friends or your family who can sometimes take the pressure off for some of these sorts of things Um, and particularly not having too high expectations of yourself. So, you know, any given day, many of us feel like we're not coping terribly well with things or, you know, we've handled a particular situation badly, but when you're feeling fatigued, that can sometimes feel quite overwhelming. So it's really important to learn to be a little bit kind to yourself as well. Uh, Yes, and if you've been a a man or a woman with uh, high capacity and energy and competency, to to discover you need a couple of naps every day can be quite startling to your self-esteem. I think that's absolutely true. Um, And I guess the more that we talk about these sorts of things, the more that people can understand that that, or or do learn that it's it's quite normal for those things to happen and and that they do, it does change over time. So, you know, we sort of talk about, um, you know, you you have many people have a diagnosis of cancer and their treatment might last anywhere from sort of, you know, an immediate surgery right through to six or nine or 12 months of ongoing treatment throughout 
that next year. So if we think how long it takes you to get to the end of treatment and how you're feeling by that point, maybe we need to think about recovery in that time as well. So it might take us three, six or 12 months before we start to really feel like we've got energy in the tank again. You're listening to The Thing About Cancer, a podcast from Cancer Council New South Wales. I'm Julie McCrossan and I'm talking to Harriana Dillon from the University of Sydney about dealing with cancer fatigue. If you have any questions about this topic or just want to talk to someone about your concerns, you can call Cancer Council 13 11 20. For links to more information or any of the services we mention or to listen to more podcasts, visit cancercouncil.com.au forward slash podcasts. We'll go back to Harriana in a moment, but first we're going to hear how Suzanne gradually got her energy back after treatment for breast cancer. Walking was the best thing. I used to go down to the beach with the kids and um, my husband and we'd walk every weekend and during the week I'd go down with a friend and so walking was the first thing and as my energy levels got better I um, did a little bit more aerobic stuff like a bit, bit more aquarobics in the pool and but it took me it really did take for me it took me about a year to 18 months to really feel I could get into something really physical and so I started with an outdoor training group down at the beach I thought I'll just do this for six to 12 months and just get myself back on deck and six years later I'm still there exercise is coming up again and again as a way of recovering and managing fatigue but can you help me understand because how do you get active if you're feeling fatigued <laughs> yeah it's a really good question and there um uh, some colleagues of ours who run a, a, a cancer related fatigue clinic at um at the university of new south wales um we'll talk about the fact that Exercise adds to your energy tanks. Initially, it requires energy to, to do things, but the more that you do that, it changes the inflammatory response in your body, if you like, that starts to fix that fatigue feeling. So this is why they talk about exercise as medicine? Correct. Yes, absolutely. Uh, and for, from a safety point of view, should you talk to your doctor or your team before you start an exercise program? So one of the things that we've learned over the years is that it's people find it very difficult to change their own behaviour. So one of the things that can be really helpful is actually to do this in a supported way. So many of us might start off on an exercise program and we have very high expectations of ourselves and we do a week of jogging or something like that. Something happens, it's raining or we don't feel so good, we don't go the next day and then you kind of fall into that pattern of, oh, I didn't do it then and I failed so I, I can't keep going. So what often helps is that uh, is to have someone support you do that, whether it's a personal trainer or we would suggest particularly for people post-cancer diagnosis that an accredited exercise physiologist would be helpful. And you can access um, an exercise physiologist through enhanced primary care plans um, for chronic health. Okay, in other words, you can go to your GP and there might be some money available for it. Exactly. And they're the kind of people who can actually help you work out what you, where you're at physically and what you're able to do and plan a program to try and increase that and support you in doing it as well. 
I know physiotherapists can help people work out how to get physically active as well. There'll often be one on your treatment team and your GP can also help you see a physio, so that's another option. Now, another thing that's often said to work well for fatigue is meditation or mindfulness. Why would meditation help me feel less tired? Well, I think there's, there is some evidence to suggest that meditation itself has a dampening down effect on the immune system. So it changes that immune response sometimes and um, it certainly seems to, uh, to, to help people to feel like they're more on top of things and in control. So in a way it's about um, time out that will help you to prioritise uh, and, and just calm your thinking down a bit. So it might manage your anxiety but potentially... Uh, lower infl- the inflammation you've been talking about. That's correct, yeah. Okay. We've been talking about exercise, but there's many different ways to have exercise. What, what are your thoughts there for people who want to start very, very gentle but are, are keen to do what's best for them? Sure. So I think when we talk about exercise, I'm not suggesting that everybody's going to run out and turn into a, a gym bunny and be on you know, exercise bikes and weightlifting and doing all those sorts of things. What we're really talking about is gentle exercise. So it might be particularly starting with something like walking um, and trying to get your walking levels up and exercise programs like um, qigong or tai chi. So those sort of gentle movement um, exercises, which include some meditation kinds of, um, of, of of components to them as well, are really very helpful. And there is some evidence to suggest that they also help to um, impact on the the immune response. So it, it again has comes back to that mechanism of um, potentially changing the inflammatory response in the body and helping people to recover from the fatigue that way. I just want to talk about this idea of returning to normal Mm -hmm. and just how long fatigue may last. I mean, you've indicated that by 12 months there should be signs of hope. Yeah, and I think that's very true for many people. So what we tend to see is that most people will feel... uh, will start to feel at least somewhat better by the end of the first sort of six to 12 months after they've finished their treatment. But as I said, for other people, there are uh, ongoing um, feelings of fatigue um, that last for many years. So there is a a patient who um, participated in a webinar with us a few months ago. And I first met um, met her maybe about three or four years ago and she was feeling fatigued after her breast cancer diagnosis at that time um, and she said to me just this last time I saw her she was now only now starting to feel like she was maybe 40% back to where she was but she just realised it was going to take her a really long time so probably a similar amount of time as it's taken her to get to this point to get to the 80% mark so her expectations around recovery and what how long it will take her for whatever reason in terms of her genetic makeup or her response to the treatment and the illness will um, is, is going to take longer. And I think we're not very good at helping people work out where they fit because we don't really understand what the interaction of factors are that, that make somebody more susceptible to feeling fatigued long term. I guess one of the questions in my mind is the relationship between depression and fatigue because it's my understanding that issues with anxiety and depression are not uncommon uh, longer term for people who've had cancer. They, it may well be managed well with psychology or psychiatry or medication, but it's a factor for people to manage. So fatigue could be linked to that, couldn't it? 
Yeah, that's right. So I think one of the the big challenges in working out uh, when I mentioned earlier that sort of cluster of symptoms that can co-occur, what's really important for health professionals to do is to work with people to work to, to try and identify what it is that may be the biggest problem here and maybe we could address the depression and whether that came first or second doesn't really matter to some extent. If we can fix that or at least make that a little bit better, it may actually help to start other things improving as well. Well, let's just go then to people who have a more severe problem. I think we've talked about the general group, but what if you're finding that you're really struggling with fatigue at any point in the treatment and recovery journey? What are the sources of help if you're in bad trouble? So I think, again, going back to your oncologists and talking to them about what's happening and asking actively for a referral to um, potentially other places that or other people who are running programs. So I think I mentioned earlier that the University of New South Wales runs a fatigue clinic. Um, it's probably the, the only one I'm certainly aware of in New South Wales and it, um, so these, these programs are not common but they're the sorts of um, programs where there are expertise from individual health professionals who may be willing to work with your own GP or your own oncologists or the the other people who are available to you to try and provide a program that would be effective. Well, Cancer Council New South Wales has some great resources for people with cancer who want to exercise. There's a booklet, Exercise for People Living with Cancer, as well as online exercise videos and webinars. And we also offer tailored exercise programs. You can find links to all of these by going to our podcast page at cancercouncil.com.au forward slash podcasts and clicking through to the page for this fatigue episode. To finish up, here's David talking about his road to recovery. Six months after I'd finished treatment, I sort of, I don't know if I said it to my wife or just said it out loud to myself kind of thing, I went, oh, well, I feel pretty good. But then 12 months after treatment, I went, hang on a minute, I feel even better than what I did six months ago. That's it for this episode of The Thing About Cancer. Thanks to Harriana, Len, Suzanne and David for sharing their insights. If you're looking for more information, you can ring the Cancer Council 131120 information and support service from anywhere in Australia or go to cancercouncil.com.au forward slash podcasts. If you have any feedback on this podcast, we'd love to hear from you. So leave us a review on iTunes or on our website. If you'd like to subscribe to the show, you can do it in Apple Podcasts or your favourite podcasting app. If you found this episode helpful, you might be interested to know that we're doing a podcast about loss of appetite. In this episode, I'll talk to oncology dietitian Meryn Finlay about how nausea and other side effects can mean you lose your appetite and how you can stay nourished throughout your treatment. I often say to people that that your nutrition care is part of your overall care. You know, oftentimes with a cancer diagnosis, there's so much that you feel is out of your control, but this one thing is actually within your control. We speak to not just the patient who has had the cancer diagnosis, but also the family or the carers, because they're very often involved in supporting the person, um, and particularly with that meal preparation. 
To hear the rest of that conversation, look for the episode Appetite Loss and Nausea on our website at cancercouncil.com.au forward slash podcasts. The stories and experiences contained in this podcast represent the views and opinions of the speakers. They do not necessarily represent the views and opinions of Cancer Council New South Wales. This podcast contains general information only and Cancer Council New South Wales recommends you obtain independent advice specific to your circumstances from appropriate professionals. I'm Julie McCrossan and you've been listening to The Thing About Cancer, a podcast from Cancer Council New South Wales, produced by Jenny Bruce and Miles Martignoni.